Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, recording now that Grace has her microphone. <laughs> we were sitting down, and then Izzy was like, "Should we record in a minute?" And I said, "I'm ready." And then we looked down. I didn't even have a microphone. Yeah, set up. Izzy, a few questions to start with. Go on. Are you going to spend fifty pounds on a nail polish collection by Harry Styles? I'd like to say no, but I mean. Probably. Even though, who paints their nails at home? This is what I think. It's a very odd market to get into. It's so confusing. And the minute I saw it, I was just like, I love everything you do, Harry. I love the shoot, him on the motorcycle, just set me off. The little nipple peak. Yeah. Yeah. He looked so hot. But then I was like, it's so random to be launching this whole thing. So Harry Styles was launching a beauty brand called Pleasing. And... It's starting with nail polishes, but it's also going to have serums and stuff. So it's like he obviously wears nail polish and kind of was at the forefront of this men manicure thing. He's always worn different color nail polishes and things. But I'm like, why why do you need to launch a brand about it? It all feels very half-baked. Yeah. Because I think the nail polishes look really nice. I think the packaging is really nice. The little pearl thing Mm. it's it's really nicely done but i felt the same way where i'm like 50 pounds is like a 100 australian dollars it's not a i think individually they're 16 pounds which is like 32 dollars and for the packet of all of them it's 50 it's quite a lot of money for something that's not really a luxury item it's like a cheap if you're gonna spend if you had that much money to splash i feel like you'd get a manicure regularly yes you know that's why I'm, i'm confused and then he's added this illuminator and oil but it's not a clear product line. It just feels very – it feels like it was rushed through because they knew a competitor was coming out or they just wanted to get it done quickly or they had a nail polish line and they said the nail polish line isn't enough so they've chucked in other products. It, it just feels a little half-baked. Yeah, and also 
he feels like a random celebrity to be jumping on this thing of celebrity beauty brands. And I mean, every fucking celebrity has one. Mm-hmm. Billie Eilish is now launching a fragrance. Crazy. Rihanna's is actually a cool one, but there's just a bazillion celebrities who have these. And he just feels like a random person to be jumping on it. And also, it feels like a random thing that celebrities keep doing, especially now. Because I just feel like the conversation has about kind of even just capitalism and mm. money and it's making heaps of money has been has changed so much in the past year that for Harry Styles it just feels like do you really need the sales from these $30 nail polishes to go into your purse agreed your Gucci purse yes. your Gucci horse bit whatever but yeah no I agree I feel the same when I saw both the Billie Eilish thing and the Harry Styles thing specifically the Harry Styles thing I mean he's he's the idea is it's a gender non-binary collection of beauty products and that it's groundbreaking, quote unquote, in that way. But then I think because the premise of it then feels kind of, yeah, half realized and then the accompanying interview in days, he doesn't really say anything. He sounds kind of stupid, sorry, <laughs> in the interview. It's not like he's saying this is this clear thing, vision for the brand. I was looking for these companies that did this stuff. Because I'm like, nail polish has always been, to a certain extent, non-binary. In the sense that anyone could buy it and use it. It's not mm. It's not like... And there are non-binary beauty products already. I'd say yeah. that the ordinary isn't marketed towards. That's what I mean. I'm like, I, I feel like if you're wanting to target a gender non-binary audience, even going into makeup or so I don't even I don't know but I don't fully understand how this speaks to that cause and that's when it kind of like links to the thing with him I do think the way he dresses and the way he presents himself is genuine and authentic to him and that he is his he is pushing boundaries to a certain extent but there is this tricky line between that and him so clearly capitalizing off of it so much that it starts to feel a little bit it's not uncomfortable it's just cynical maybe Mm. and this kind of feels like that he's done the vogue cover and he's got all of this fame and notoriety and now he's parlaying it into a beauty brand whereas the actual essence of the beauty brand and why it's valuable to a like gender non-conforming kid feels unconsidered unconsidered (laughs) even the fact that yeah, he wears nail polish, but he never, ever, ever talk has ever talked about... He's not doing his own nail polish at home as well. No. And it's not like he ever talks about being empowered about wearing, I don't know, nail polish or anything about beauty ever. He's never even said he fucking, like, uses serum, to my knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> my extensive knowledge. But yeah, it just, it feels a little bit random. The dazed interview is just quite funny because as you say he just sounds like he's stoned in it he he just sounds like a little pea brain where they you read this out to me before and they literally said to him when do you feel most beautiful he said when do i feel my most beautiful i would say internally when i finished meditating or something or maybe when i'm asleep (laughs) that's a crazy quote that's a crazy thing to say and then he says 
I think we have an opportunity to make something really cool, a company that operates in a completely different way. I think the true DNA of pleasing is about working with talented people who might not necessarily have a light shone on them and collaborating. And I'm just like, that's all well and good, but there's just no, it's not like a design collective. They haven't collaborated with anyone on this where they've heroed some kind of amazing person working in the scene who they've got to come in and do the formulations or the colors or whatever it just and then he says something about how it's really important to give back but then insinuates that his full version of giving back to is the community is starting these <laughs> fans buying his nail polishes his nail polish i know like and surely his fan base is still relatively young in terms of the price point of everything. Mm, I have no idea what his fan it's base is. It's pre-Christmas. They've rushed it pre-Christmas. It's just occurred to me. He does cross generations. I think his fans would range from like 40 to 15. Yeah. But um, yeah, pre-Christmas, they've obviously rushed it out. Like we should be doing with our merch, but definitely aren't. I know. You can't rush these things, <laughs> Harry. Okay. The artistic process. Um, the pleasing pen is doesn't even have a description oh if that's a nail pen that's fun. no it's an under eye okay cream roller thing okay um, yeah but i was thinking okay a few ideas for harry styles yeah a if you're gonna launch a nail polish brand at least make it specific to nail polish not all this random beauty stuff yeah. and like you say collaborate with and hero and yeah do collaborations with really cool nail artists across the world so mm-hmm. you should have gotten all of these like really cool up-and-coming nail artists to make collections for pleasing yes agree one thing mm-hmm. the other and a thing, portion needs to go to like queer youth of all sales or something yes yeah another thing if you were thinking about what harry styles would launch nail polish and beauty would not be my first thought it would be something like jewelry mm-hmm. imagine if he launched a really cute line of pearl necklaces like string tings but for actual necklaces mm. like cute kitschy ones that were yeah. kind of cheap and you could do the yeah i know i mean the beauty brand thing is such a i, I like i didn't realize this till recently when it became such an explosion how much of a money maker it is mm. for celebrities but like you say that kind of shameless chasing of money feels yeah, I mean, out of touch with right now. But enough I, money already with all Yeah, I I like back in the day we we said capitalism, we love it, make bank where you can, yes queen, go, go, go. And now we're kinda like, why can't you just be a multi, multi, multi millionaire from being a recording artist and an actor? <laughs> why do you need to enter? This space. I understand it from his business people's perspective and everything. And it won't. It's not going to damage his brand. But I just personally find it kind of gross. One really sad thing to come from this Mm -hmm. is realizing that Harry Styles' hands aren't that nice. (laughs) And I love hands. Men's hands. Men's hands are like... Hottest part of their bodies. Agreed. And on his little swipe across for the launch of Pleasing, he put his stubby little (laughs) fingers. And I was like, my God, how did we miss this? This I never would have thought. Is that how tall is Harry Styles? We were both sitting here and I just was quietly said to Izzy, 
his hands aren't very nice. And she goes, I know, I know. Because if you're going to do nails, you would think that it's almost like he's drawing attention to one of his flaws. Very few physical flaws. No, look, the thing is, no, yeah, they're not that great. But they can look good and no, they're not that great. Oh, my God. (laughs) He's got them on top of his face with these smiley faces on his and his hands barely cover. His hands barely make it halfway of his face. <laughs> they look hot in some. They look hot when he's holding this watermelon. If you Google image search Harry Styles hands, you guys will see what I'm talking They're about. Quite, he's got yeah, quite short. The t- his the, hands look hot in the motorbike picture, like the veins and the yes. wrist. But you can. They still look kind of small. But then in some pics on Google images, they can look bigger and nicer. Yes, the veins are good. Yeah, like a veiny. Yuck. <laughs> I'm making myself feel sick. He's he is one point eight three. Yeah, that's tall. Yeah, it's a very tall. respectable height. Yeah. Harry Styles is six foot. Okay, here's how we know that this is a half baked. Oh, I guess that was quite a while ago. What? I was just gonna say he he hasn't worn like nail polish in like hardly any promo shots recently. Mm. You'd just think that he'd be quietly building the momentum. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He's not even wearing it in the. Oh, maybe he is. I would never do at-home nail polish. No, I can't. I might still buy you some. Pleasing. I like the name pleasing. Me too. Yeah, it's very cute. What else does he say in this? Days shoot. He refused to talk about Olivia Wilde, and I'm annoyed at Days for not putting the context of his refusal to talk about Olivia Wilde because I feel like that's the funniest part, which we're gonna talk about in our next episode. Britney Spears's boyfriend refusing to talk about Britney Spears for the New York Times became like a focal point of the feature. Yeah, and then another thing we're gonna talk about later is Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal, and I was just reading a piece in 2017. When the Guardian asked if he'd heard the songs that were rumored to be about him, and he sat in silence for like two minutes and didn't answer, and the journalist <laughs> documented the whole thing in the piece for the Guardian. I was like, "That's, that's good. That's, that's proper journalism. Proper journalism. Yeah. That's what you should be writing about these awkward, uncomfortable silences and things that happen during the interview that the celebrity doesn't want you to put in." But these guys are just like, "Harry Styles is hot, and Harry Styles is." Hot and beautiful and charming. Yeah, and his products are environmentally friendly and perfect (laughs) for the whole family for Christmas. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I mean, God bless him. (laughs) I know. I don't know know why, but God bless him. Olivia Wilde also took her two kids to his concert last Mm. week. It's going to be very, like, sexually confusing for them if they get married. You're how old are her kids? Like seven and something. Like imagine grow. It's like how Zoe Kravitz grew up with Jason Mama as her stepfather. It's like you'd be very and the the Demi Moore's daughters grew up with Ashton Kutcher as their. Ste- you know what I mean? The younger stepfather that's mm. kind of close to you in age and is like an international heartthrob and that you'd be obsessed with if he wasn't your stepdad. Yeah, It'd be confusing. It'd be really confusing. Yeah, and her kids were dancing with Harry Styles' mum. Yeah. They must be really – I mean, obviously, the families would have met after a year, I guess, but – They're going to have a baby. Do you think? I would. Mm, what money would I bet on it? 
50 pounds, the price of a pleasing nail set. Mm. I think they'll have a baby within the next year. Wow. Thoughts? God, I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. (laughs) Anymore? Anymore? So I finally watched a movie that I've wanted to watch for ages, and that is because my cat's name is Shiva, and I thought this movie that was coming out that came out this year was called Shiva Baby, but through watching it, I've realized that it's pronounced Shiva, and it's in reference to the basically week-long affair that happens after a Jewish funeral. And it was written by a 25-year-old, Emma Seligman. It was her directorial debut, and she actually wrote the movie as her thesis after her film school professor told them to write about what they know. And so it ended up being the script for a short film about a bisexual Jewish college student who attends a shiva with her intrusive relatives and then she doesn't even know who died. And when she gets there, her sugar daddy shows up with his wife and kid that she didn't know he had. Oh, my God. So he was paying her for sex to fund her getting through uni. And then I read this piece that the cut did with Emma Seligman, the director, and she was saying that she wrote it off her own experience. So she grew up Jewish and she's bisexual and she had an experience with sex work when she was at college and said that heaps of people in New York, like it's called sugaring, it's just a huge part of going to school in New York City. And heaps of her friends used to have sex for money just to get through college. So yeah, that's why she wrote it. And it's really funny. It's the whole film takes place at this one Jewish event at this house. And the girl, the main characters, Sugar Daddy shows up and also her ex-girlfriend is there. Her parents are like super overbearing and intense. The whole thing's just, yeah, it's kind of like dark comedy hilarious. It sounds so good. I love the, who's the actress that plays? Oh, that plays the main character. Yeah. Rachel Sennett. Yeah, she's super funny. She's the one that came up with the Instagram soft launch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tweet. Yeah, yeah. she put that on her, on Twitter, eh, saying something about soft launching your boyfriend. Yeah, she's super funny. Yeah, but quite interesting how um, the cut talks to Emma about how she, yeah, sugared once, so got paid for sex. And they said, did you think it could potentially last longer than one date? And she goes, oh, I wanted it to. I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a sugar baby. The seeking arrangement website feels almost the same as going on Tinder, just creating a profile and seeing who's out there. A lot of my friends had accounts or went on one date and said, hmm, maybe. And then I was like, nope. And said that she just couldn't fake um, like the, the what it, intimacy or the like lust part of yeah, sex work, which you would so have to be able to do. Yeah. And which I would definitely not be able to do. I'm not in the mood. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're playing you. Like a lazy bitch. <laughs> I have a headache. Yes. <laughs> but oh, yeah, so it's funny. a really... I, I'd love to watch that. I have to see that. Use my movie subscription that you got me for Christmas oh, that yeah. I've used like three times because I'm an uncultured Really? Wench. I always yeah. see movies that are on movies that I want to watch. Use my logins. Yeah. <laughs> and I also saw Dune. Have you seen it? No. I've, I've read a lot about it weirdly i don't know why because i the guy who made it dennis villeneuve is a director i really like and he called it his best film he's ever made which i'm always like don't do that 
Mm. This is the best podcast episode we've ever recorded. We've said that a few times, but always when we've accidentally deleted deleted them or something. So I was curious. I was assuming it was going to get these crazy good reviews and then the reviews were like quite mixed towards bad. Mm. So then I I haven't seen it. Well, I do think I'm a bad person to comment because I hate sci-fi and it's Mm -hmm. very, very sci-fi. Very hot cast, I must say. Mm. Timothy Chalamet, really hot. Such a good actor. He's reminded me why we like him. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, the aforementioned, and someone else hot. Oh, Zendaya. Yeah. Who's super hyped, but is only in it for a very short She's amount, only in right? it for like six minutes. It's basically... That's crazy. Um, remember Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Margot Robbie's character is like such a minor part in it, but she yeah. was on the whole press thing that's mm-hmm. it's sim- it's similar vibes but i think there's well there definitely is a part two coming and i think zendaya's part will be ma- way bigger in that mm-hmm. but yeah i found it a slog it was two and a half <laughs> hours long and i was like when is this fucking thing gonna end i was like almost as boring as spencer i know spent yeah but I'm I mean, gonna, I everyone's gonna like sleep. everyone's gonna like slaughter me for saying this because so many people loved it did they yeah what's his face that director you love blue velvet oh david lynch yeah i was gonna say yeah. you and Marnie to watch the original david lynch one because yeah have you seen it's it it's messy as fuck yeah i had to watch it in like film school. yeah i think he's like taken off his imdb and stuff he says that he wants it completely removed because he's embarrassed yeah but it's it's based on this really famous sci-fi book that we have here and me and zach keep trying to read but getting distracted and it's always been called unadaptable because yes. it's so there's so much going on it's it's not the same as lord of the rings but it's that kind of vibe where if you want to do it, you kind of need lots of movies to do it justice. Right. Like Harry Potter. Yeah, like Harry Potter. Mm. <laughs> Except that is a lot of books. Yes. But, yeah, um, so David Lynch tried to put it into one movie and the whole thing was just kind of a hot mess. But it's like quite fun to watch because it's a fun hot mess. Okay, yeah. And it's Carl McLaughlin, the guy from Blue Velvet slash Trey from Sex and the City. Ah! <laughs> it's his first ever movie that he's in. So he's wow. super young. Love. Yeah, apparently there's a documentary on june as well it's one of those things where i feel like it's more interesting the concept concept of it it than the actual movie yeah yeah the movie i was just like i don't care about these worms they were (laughs) we were were on this planet and there was just sand everywhere and then these random monstrous worms would come up and eat everything i was just like this just i don't know but anyway i wasn't drinking i was trying to be like a good girl in the movies and go without all of the popcorn and ice creams and alcohol mm, I would so usually boring. have, which is so boring. It's probably why I hated the whole movie. Yeah. And I got a tea and it was, I feel like I can just feel myself getting older, even just saying the sentence, but it was the nicest experience <laughs> sitting in the movies with a hot tea. <laughs> I was like, why am I so old? I know. Growing old is so nice in experience. And, like, depressing when you say the stuff out loud. I know. Like, even just then we went to a cafe and we both got teas instead of coffees and that just made me feel way Same. older. I lo- I, I'm off coffee. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've had two today already, so that was why. I'm doing things like looking up how much, like, caffeine is in a fucking cup of tea and... Oh, God. I know. <laughs> the elderly. The yeah, I know. The you, elderly. Did, you did suggest potentially not drinking for this episode, which I shut down... Very quickly. Promptly. I really enjoyed last week's recording. Me too, but 
there's a time and a place for not drinking and it's not on the After Work Drinks podcast. I have a very short and brief recommendation, which is that our boy, our daddy, Headley Thomas, has released another The Man Never Sleeps, Never Stops Working podcast, true crime podcast. Amazing. I don't want to shame Headley, but he does have a type for his podcast and they're always white women. How many has he done now? This is third one in a row where mm. it's about a, a white lady. Mm. Just throwing it out there that he could diversify his <laughs> a bit. victims for the yes. future. This is a really, I don't know, I don't want to say, it's, it's, it's about the murder of Shandy Blackburn who was killed in Mackay, which is in New South Wales in 2013. Really like vicious, horrible murder. But to me, it seems so obvious from the get-go that it was her ex-boyfriend who was, like, very jealous and controlling. He was a boxer. And she'd posted about her new boyfriend on Facebook the day before she was murdered. Mm. And the person that murdered her staked out her work and waited for her to finish her shift. Right. And he was... uh, But no one's been charged. He was charged and found not guilty at trial and i think the podcast is going to be about the things the jury didn't hear or the things the police didn't present that right. they missed i think yeah they've listened to two episodes so far so it kind of seems a bit open and shut yes but justice for shandy yeah let's hope headley can do it again i um wanted to listen to that but then i started and i couldn't get my head around his talking style which is, is normal but the reason i couldn't is because i've been listening to fucking case file is he can I say? Yeah, wait, yeah, I think. Izzy's what? boyfriend is obsessed with Case File, which I find so funny. And at night they'll watch one episode of Succession and then he'll be like, turn it off and play Case yeah. File. He keeps, going, <laughs> he keeps going, please, can we please, can we just put on Case File, please, please. And I'm like, fuck, because I like obviously we've all been there, but we all were there in 2017. I've already listened to like all of the best episodes. Izzy's I don't like, wanna... so we're running through the classics. <laughs> Last night he wouldn't shut up and so I just put on like Amy Lynn Bradley and went to sleep because I was like, but I don't even tell him I've already listened because I just am like, I'll just switch off. I'm like jealous for him hearing them for the first time, yeah, but it's yeah. really like you're in it and then you're totally out of it. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's just like, I can't go a second without Has listening. Has he listened to the... Jennifer Pan. So yeah, Jennifer Pan's a big one. The, the scuba diving one. No, but I told him about that one. No. I know. I told, wait, he needs to listen to Sherry Ramusen. That's what I put on oh the other day. God. And he and then he's like freaking out. Well, yeah, I'd fallen asleep and then I woke up the next day and he was like, I was so scared to get out of bed last night because I thought you were going to think I was murdering you. And I was like, I love that you're now having all of these thoughts that all of us did in our mid-20s about like true crime and murder. Uh, so, yeah. So then last night I put on, oh, what's the one? Oh, the... Yeah, the Amy Lynn Bradley, which is the woman who disappeared on the cruise ship and she's still mm-hmm. never been found. And they think that the people working on the ship drugged her and human took her off and her, right? human trafficked yeah. her. It's fucking crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, anyway, that's I'm listening to those <laughs> again. But we listened to the Silk Road three-part one. And that was so fucking I have interesting. To that. My mum is a big advocate of the Silk Road oh, trilogy. Yes. <laughs> I've been told it's about so it many times. It's so fucking good. It's about when um, the dark web back in the day and this guy launched Silk Road, which was a website for selling drugs. For heroin, right? For, for all everything. drugs. Oh. He, he launched it with magic mushrooms, actually. And it was a basically... A very enterprising chap. But it was like an Amazon. So all these other sellers were selling their drugs through his platform and he was just making a commission. And what they were 
were doing was making it safe like PayPal where people would pay but the, the site wouldn't release the funds until they got the drugs and were happy with them. It was crazy. I went on a date with a guy, you know. Mm, I already know who you're talking about. And the, within five seconds, firstly, he catfished me. He was like 15 years older than his profile picture. But when we sat down, the first thing he said was, I'm getting over heroin addiction because when I lived in Prague, I had to write a story about the Silk Road and I bought heroin off of it for a story for like the BBC and it came to my house and I got addicted to heroin. Oh my god. Yeah, it's like a crazy Oh my tale. god. I mean he has he he made some like dubious claims yes. throughout the night. He's kind of so dating famous sure. actresses, etc. Yeah, saying so he dated famous actresses, which remains to be seen. But I kind of I believed that one. Yeah, that's wild. So yeah, and then the guy who was like super smart and it was so funny, it was actually quite wholesome, the Silk Road thing. He used to have um a book club on the Silk Road mm, website where they would all be given books to read. Aww. And then um, he started doing a movie night, but that's when people thought that Silk Road had been hijacked, like um, QAnon, <laughs> and thought it wasn't him because they were like, the real the real guy wouldn't have a movie night. So did he have like an Amazon warehouse of the drugs where he shipped them or was no. he like a third-party person for different drug dealers around the world, like yeah. Farfetch? <laughs> yes, the Farfetch model. Well, just, yeah, so I think people could sign up to, to be distributors on Silk Road mm. and then they would list their product. Like Uber. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like okay. Amazon, right? Because Amazon doesn't house all the stuff, or does it? Yeah, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah it does. Have huge warehouse. Okay, so, yeah, yeah. Like, like eBay, I guess. Yeah. Okay, like eBay, yeah. Yeah. And anyway, then he ended up getting caught and now he's in jail for the rest of his life. Aww. Yeah, it was actually quite sad. Cause I know, was, free him. Yeah, now. he was just basically <laughs> being like, I believe in the right for humans to be able to do whatever they want with their own bodies. And I was like, well, same. Same. I'm a feminist. Yeah. Free Ross. Yeah, free Ross. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. So, big news for the fashion industry this week, which was that Daniel Lee is leaving Bottega Veneta after three years, and he's the guy who's turned it into the massive chuggy phenomenon that it is today. (laughs) And it was shocking to everyone at the start because the brand is making so much money and he's basically completely transformed their fortunes. And so it seemed so crazy that he would leave and I think both of us were kind of like, this is kind of interesting. 
maybe not that interesting. But then the more we read about it, it's a gossip-laden tale yeah. of ego, intrigue, Detroit, Berghain. You sound like the case file, man. Yeah. Hooking me in. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. So when the news was announced, it shocked basically everyone because there was no rumors of him leaving. Mm-hmm. It was obviously a very sudden decision. The way the press release was worded, I got the press release into my inbox and was like, I don't usually open these, but hello. hello and gossip. it just said, Daniel Lee and Bottega Veneta have ended their collaboration. Very straight and blunt to the point. So it obviously felt like either he had quit on the spot or they'd fired him. I assumed he'd quit on the spot because, as you say, he's really turned the brand around and made it this huge sensation. So they would be, like, stoked to have him. Then, of course, there's the recent news that Phoebe Philo, who was the former creative director at Celine, whom Daniel worked under before taking this role at Bottega, is launching her own label. So... Perhaps he could have been leaving to go and work for her. Perhaps Bottega found out and fired him because of it. Other people were saying that they thought he was going to go to Burberry, which I found kind of random. Ah, oh, that's I, interesting. Yeah, I heard that floating I around. I think they think Ricardo Tishi's going to go to... Oh, where is it? I was literally just writing about this. A big... There's a big Italian fashion house that's kind of random. Mm. not Ferragamo I think or Todd's maybe Todd's the CEO of Burberry who's like always works with Ricardo has left to go there and like they always they've moved around together so I think he's leaving so maybe Burberry will be opening up Mm. which makes sense I also read that it was this is around the time of his three-year contract renegotiations so people think that the contract renegotiations fell through but the idea that he was going to go work with Phoebe I think was kind of cool to Izzy and I because we were very much in the anti-ambition anti-ambition phase of our lives (laughs) lives. so we're like this is very cool in 2021 to leave this highly paid massive job and take a behind the scenes role it's the opposite of what everyone in fashion does and it felt very um unegotistical and and just cool basically but then it came out that it sounds as if the opposite is true where <laughs> because he developed such a reputation as this like wunderkind um, that he apparently got a bit cocky, got a bit cocky and had a lot of issues with a lot of the staff at Bottega. And apparently over the course of the last few months, a lot of high profile people within the studio have quit like long-time, long-serving people who've been there before him, who are very respected by the, you know, CEO and executive team, have quit because they can't work with him anymore. Um, And he's got a reputation behind the scenes for not treating people very nicely. So Virginie Muzat, who is a um, French – she was a fashion director of French Vanity Fair, but she's very, very respected in the industry – when his replacement, Mathieu Blasi, who sounds so unfriendly and horrible, yeah. was announced, she wrote, Patience and talent and a balanced temper, good manners and respect for your co-workers and human beings in general pays off. Bravo. It was time. Mm-hmm. So everyone took that as it being an open secret in the industry to those in the center of the industry, not us, sadly, Yeah, <laughs> that um, he had a reputation for mistreating people. And then there was another piece that came out. WWD reported that he'd had fallings out with senior staff members and that he was potentially fired following 
Bottega's Detroit show last month because he had basically pushed the staff and team working to the point where very senior people had quit and complaints had gotten so bad that they had to fire him. And then another article I read on this blog called A, I don't know how to say this, A-C-H-T-U-N-G mode, wrote a piece called Fired. And it basically says that there were rumors when Bottega hosted their show in Bergheim that he was anything but kind to local producers, ignoring everyone and not greeting anyone. There were late night work sessions and then lavish photo shoots with lots of money by art photographers to take portraits of Lee and his boyfriend, the ballet dancer, Roberto Ball. So apparently he was mistreating everyone and making people work crazy hours and then was putting all this money and resources into getting his boyfriend photographers to take photos of his hot boyfriend. I love that so much. Which I relate to. I mean, creatives are notoriously hard to work with and they make people work all hours and are really finicky and can be bad tempered and all of that stuff. I don't think he's unique in that, but I guess the climate is changing where people won't put up with that shit now. Yeah. Or it's like, if that's the kind of person you are as this crazy creative, you need to be separate from your staff. Like Mm -hmm. you need to do your own thing and then you need to hire someone else underneath you to be managing everyone or there just needs to be systems in place. But yeah, what I had thought, which doesn't seem to be right, which I was like thinking was very cool of him was I thought he was maybe over Bottega because of what it's become in terms of being this really Instagrammy, chewy brand where it's just so those products, you know, the, the bags and the, the shoes have become so cult with a certain specific genre of Instagram people that I thought he would just be like, I don't want anything to do with that because he's obviously tried to push against that. He deleted Instagram. Mm. They were the ones that wouldn't invite any influencers or anyone to their shows. Mm. Just launched that magazine, obviously tried to do a show on Bergheim to make the brand really cool again, but it just hasn't been working. Mm -hmm. And so I thought he was doing like a Demna thing where he just shut Vetements when it got too cultish or whatever but yeah no a hundred percent and i read that the accessories make up 87 percent of the brand's revenue wow. which is because crazy of, it's also because their clothes I, I mean i know it's a luxury brand but their clothes are so fucking expensive when and you think not, of how much yeah. the accessories are yeah and they're not that i think he's a he was the head of accessories i think for celine Right. And I think that he's obviously a very strong accessories designer. Having said that, there's like a lot of similarities between some of the key looks that he did for Celine and the ones that he like pushed, like the pouch and the square toe and all of that stuff. Mm. Like kind of a, so I wonder if there's also an element of like after three years, he's rehashed his best ideas and the ready to wear is like kind of, what do they call it? Plateauing. In terms of sales, maybe it wasn't considered as massive a a success internally as it was money-wise. I don't know. Okay, on to our final topic of the day, and that is the current battle between Meghan Markle and the Mail on Sunday. So this is still about the letter that they leaked in – when was it? How is this – I feel like time is going so fast. It was August 2018. Crazy. When they leaked that letter that she wrote to her dad, she actually won this case in the courts in February with a judge ruling that the mail on Sunday had invaded her privacy when it published parts of that letter. 
but then they're appealing the victory at the moment and all of this new information is coming out. Namely that this guy who worked as Jason how the fuck do you say his last name? Knauf or something? Knauf? <laughs> yeah. Knauf? Jason Knauf, <laughs> <laughs> who was communications secretary to Harry and Meghan, has, is being paid off by someone because he's come out of the fucking woodwork to go at her saying that she suspected her father might disclose the letter to the media. But not only that, which is like kind of a pretty normal thing to suspect if your dad's fucking selling every thing you've ever touched to the fucking papers <laughs> not only that she had kind of written the letter in a calculating way thinking it was going to be released and writing it kind of with the assumption that he was going to release it and putting specific parts in to kind of tug at heartstrings apparently the quote she'd specifically said was we wanted to quote pull on the heartstrings yeah that's why she called him daddy I was like, yuck, that's sexual, Megan. I know. The word daddy is so loaded and upsetting and confusing. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, in a witness statement, he said the Duchess asked me to review the text of the letter saying, obviously, everything I've drafted is with the understanding it could be leaked, which that is also, like, fine. Yeah, of course. Um, That's the whole point of her writing the fucking letter is that he keeps leaking everything. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole way it's been spun by the press obviously in the past week is that she was super calculating and manipulative and wrote it thinking it was going to be leaked and thinking it was going to paint her in a good light and then obviously suing about it being leaked and playing the victim, which I I must admit when this first came out last week, I was like, oh my God. I still think that though. Like I still think it's so audacious but I find it funny. <laughs> like, I don't think it makes her a terrible person. And, like, the audacity to message with your publicist and say, okay, we're going to write this letter and we're going to try and get him to shut up, but knowing that he's probably not going to shut up and is probably going to release the letter, let's make sure we craft it in a really good way. So if it does come out, it works best for me, which is a completely logical thing to do in that situation, to then sue and be like, the public was never meant to see this to try and get, like, more – it's 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 – so relatable is what I feel like most of us would do in that situation. I might not litigate, but it's yeah. so understandable. And now it's backfired and she's had to eat humble pie and be like, sorry that I misled you to the judge. And even it's um, hilarious. Even how they said that she, one of the points they made was like, okay, so the Duchess is, is really angry that they got hold of this letter and she's suing them and she's suing, you know, every publication who writes falsities or whatever, or like releases parts personal bits about her but then she didn't bother to sue people magazine when they talked to five of her closest friends who said she was like an angelic sweetheart it's like when um sammy and jersey shaw try to trick ronnie into cheating on her so she could did she yeah and then she goes it was a test and you failed <laughs> what did she megan yeah no. megan's like it was a test and you yes. failed but <laughs> also another hugely jade part of about it is um that Harry and Meghan have like vehemently denied for years they played that they had anything to do with that biography that was released. Which again, this is the problem with them is that they do themselves no favors. It was so obvious. There was a line in there about what Archie's face looked like when he was born. I was like, where did I think he was? Get- they were getting that from. <laughs> This is the thing. Is like it's fine to deny it because everyone just denies, denies. Like Princess Diana was denying she. 
took part. No, she was denying that she took part in that book that was like quoting her directly. (laughs) It was like obviously hers. Because you just deny when you don't want to. But like putting themselves now in a position where embarrassing texts where they're like directing this communication secretary on what to brief the authors, you would just not risk that, Mm. I would imagine. Yeah. So there's that and now everyone's kind of turning i think it's just just bad because i think obviously we can look at this with a critical lens and think that obviously we don't think badly of megan markle for doing that if that is what she did because i think a lot of people in that situation would would do similar but it's just a frustrating thing because so many people won't think critically about this they'll just think of this as proof that she's manipulative proof Mm. that she's all of these things that the British public especially thinks she is. There was a really great piece written on the cut called The Fight of Meghan Markle's Life, which really goes in the complete other direction, kind of just talking about how not only is this about Meghan Markle, but it's about a wider issue of the way we treat black women in the media. It was written by a professor who spent the past decade researching and writing about the harms when it comes to black women and girls from big tech companies. And she talks about how women of color were 34% more likely to be mentioned in an abusive or problematic tweet than white women. And black women were 84% more likely than white women to be mentioned in abusive tweets in a 2018 study. She also talks about, which I'm not really across. I saw the headline when it happened, but you know how there were headlines a few weeks ago that said that Megan and Markle were part of this Twitter attack thing against them and I was like I don't really understand what that means and last month a new report was released that detailed the way the attacks made by Twitter accounts had fueled the harassment and hate aimed at Meghan and Harry and according to these this report 83 accounts with a potential reach of 17 million users were responsible for 70 percent of the negative and hateful content generated about Meghan and Harry that's crazy so only 83 accounts responsible for 70% of like all of the hate directed at them which means someone's which basically means yeah it was like a targeted attack that someone had orchestrated not pointing any fingers but (laughs) (laughs) um it's either like orchestrated by someone as a smear campaign or it's just these tech companies that go algorithm based knowing that there's this kind of misogynistic racist undercurrent that makes Meghan Markle an attractive target and knowing that if they spam twitter with this stuff because i think this is the thing with social media is that the people that will instigate the abuse versus the people that will like tacitly enjoy seeing it Mm. are very different Mm. so it's almost like these bot companies create the content because they know because they know people will look and like it and respond to it or share it or laugh at it or read it or stay engaged with it but they're not going to write it themselves well yeah there was that stat a while ago that said um false information on twitter spreads to making up a yeah. number out of my house, like but I'm pretty sure. No, I think it was fast. like 10 times. Yeah, wow. As fast as real news because people. It's this emotional like response thing. I notice myself sometimes in the like, the bowels of a Daily Mail comment section. Same. And I'm like, what am I doing Same. here? And it's like the internet shouldn't let us tap into these horrible impulses that we have, but it just does. And it's so quick you can't even check what you're doing. Hmm. I would never seek out nice comments about someone. I never no, like yeah. sit in a comment section where people are like, she's so pretty. She probably has a nice personality. <laughs> like, I did it with um that Sam and Phoebe, what's her name? his last name? Burgess. Oh, uh, yeah. 
thing where I scrolled down and was reading the Daily Mail comments where they were all just being like horrible about her. And I didn't feel good about it, obviously, but I was just like so interested Curious, to see what people yeah. were saying. Mm. Yeah, it's crazy. So don't know what's going to happen here if she's going to win the case again, but it just doesn't look... I think Wait, what was it? What is it, it reminding me of? It's reminding me of some time when a celebrity recently, or oh, kind of, I guess, in a way, when Taylor Swift denied saying that Kanye saying she'd heard that song and then can't yeah. release the recording of it. Yeah, it's kind of similar to that. But yeah, like, it reminds me of that. It's it's embarrassing for her. Like, there's no way around it. Yeah, but it's not embarrassing on this like catastrophic level where she should be cancelled and everyone should hate her. It's just. A little bit embarrassing <laughs> and kind of funny but I think that I think the, the way people struggle is even this article for the cut which I, I haven't read the whole thing god there's 285 comments on this and they're really crazy yeah people are nuts but there is this kind of temptation I think that people take with Meghan Markle where they want to put her into this binary of like everything she does comes from this really noble amazing fantastic good-hearted place and she's got this unimpeachable character and then people who think she's this like manipulative minx i found something in the comments what important note about the author she's connected to archwell (laughs) and then someone else wrote this article was written by megan markle pr firm oh my god could they not find someone not related to her to write it that's crazy so this writer like works with them but i guess that's like I feel like it's kind of fine. It reminds me of the Clinton. I just finished. <laughs> You're always reading such random stuff. What I are you going to say now? No, I finished pe- the impeachment American crime story. The last episode came out oh, last night. I want to watch that. Yeah, it's really I good. Some BBC. That. It's really good. You'll like it. Fuck. But um, she kind of reminds me of Hillary Clinton, where it's like she's almost become so polarizing that the people that love her will not hear a bad word about her and will present her in such a flattering light that there's like absolutely no room for criticism. And then the people that don't like her take every single negative thing she does, which inevitably there will be something and twist it into like the most heinous, most negative, most unforgiving version of that. Like she is very polarizing in that sense, which I think is the mistake everyone's making. And I also think those texts with Jason, who is, you know, he's, Kate and Will's head of PR. Yeah, well, so that's normal. And he's leaving at the end of the year. And Kate I was like, Wills. okay. And he's the one that filed the bullying allegation against her. Really? Yeah. But apparently she bullied six female staff members out of the job. And he Daniel, was. Daniel um, Lee? Fatiga? <laughs> <Yes. laughs> I know all of these egomaniacs. What was I about to say? That he. Jay, the text to Jason. Oh, the text where she said, you know. We just want to make sure that, and like, if this does leak to the press, it kind of just had the vibe of someone who's got a new job and is trying to impress the boss. Like, to me, it didn't feel manipulative as much as she was trying to say what he wanted to hear. So he thought she understood the game and was like covering all her bases. It also made me think about how we just wouldn't have any interest in Kate and William if they opened their mouths ever. It's like the thing we like about the Royals is they never talk and never explain anything and we know none of the dirty laundry and it's all mysterious. And now that this stuff's coming out, I'm a bit like, oh, they're just random people that we're obsessed with for no reason. I know. I've gotten into TikTok of late, just 
quietly stalking my way through and I keep coming across a my algorithm now it was dancing girls and now it's all Kardashian stuff <laughs> and I'm like trying so hard to flick it away from that but I just can't because every time a Kardashian video comes on it enthralls me and then the other thing that started popping up is like royal goss and there's heaps of British people like commentators girls who will talk about just gossip so one so that she plays a video in the background and a reporter was talking to Harry I mean sorry William and Charles was beside him and he was like so an engagement soon and then William's like ha 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 no and then she was like so what changed and then it flicks through how much Kate's family worked to get them back together and like all of this stuff and yeah. how his family were putting on so much pressure for they him called, to like weighty Katie or whatever yeah and they yeah. called them the um oh, what was it something about like a climbing like they're like then their nickname is something about a climbing tree like Mm. like climbs their way up yeah they she was we forget because it was like somewhat before our time but she was ruthlessly like they hunted out their honeymoon and took topless photos of her and published them all over like uh, tabloids everywhere like it's arguably worse than what they did to megan yeah they were heinous with her but she just shut up and like copped it and then they just switched yeah she Um, kind of played the game i guess yeah that's what i mean they're all playing the game so megan doing this stuff shouldn't surprise anyone everyone is having those sorts of conversations behind the scenes it's just yeah i mean people behind the scenes having conversations about her child's skin color exactly they're just going for her now because she's they've opened up because they've opened up the floodgates yeah but if this is the best they have honestly it's like not that bad. Apparently they're going to skip Christmas, I read. Are they? Understandable. Imagine that. Or getting weighed on the way in. I know. I saw on the <laughs> cut someone put a thing up being like, does the queen really weigh everyone? So at the start of Spencer, the new Kristen Stewart movie, she walks into the wherever the fuck they have Christmas and they have to get weighed on the way in and then weighed on the way out. And if they don't put on three pounds, three pounds, they haven't enjoyed themselves enough, which is like 1.2 kg or something. And they're like, it's just a fun little game. It's like, it's such a shit game. I know. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, I guess. Cause I feel yeah. like you would put on that much weight at Christmas, but not interesting for someone with an eating disorder. Yeah. Anyway. Bye. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.